Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Hello, everyone. It's uh, Jay and Caleb, as always. Uh, welcome to Meet Your Congregation. Uh, today, we are interviewing Vicki, who is one of our congregation members in the physical realm, mm-hmm. not on the internets mm-hmm. or in the matrix. Um, and so, yeah, we're really glad to have you here. Vicki, welcome to uh, Meet Your Congregation. Thank you. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. Oh, thanks. So, Vicki, you've been coming about as long as I have, right? About uh, exactly. two years. Yeah. The same day, I think, yes. we started coming. Really? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, something something about that, that week, Jay, <laughs> got a bunch of people just to keep coming back. Yeah. And, Vicki, you're a very important part of this church. Oh, thank you. Yes. I hope that you know that. Thank you. You, you. you bring food that you've grown by hand whenever you have it from your garden for us. You give me a ride to church in the morning you give me a ride home you're very loving you're a great listener you're a really good friend and I don't think that huge supporter of revolution yeah Yeah. I'm grateful for that we talk about that enough but you're very I love you a lot Vicki you're very important well thank you I love you too I um I feel like it's really a privilege to be a part of this church and um I often listen and re-listen to the podcasts and just marvel at how how um, it's so timely and just how there's such depth in the conversations that we have and afterglow and how the message is just so important for this period in our history I think um, I've never found a church before where I felt like I could be who I was with all of my mental health issues and just a place where I feel I can express myself and be heard and be respected. It's definitely a place that's kind of like a, I think we're all wrestling with something. Yeah. You well, know. I think it is a hospital. Yeah. And that's what the church is supposed to be. That a is what My the mom church said the church is supposed, is supposed to be a hospital, be. not a courtroom. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And talking about a courtroom makes me think about judgment. Yeah. And um, even with the sermon today, talking about um, grace and acceptance, if we would stop trying to categorize people and judge people, if we would just let everyone be, like you said, I mean, I think that is what Christ calls us to do. You want to talk a little bit about what, what brought you here initially? Mm-hmm. Well, what brought me here initially was Donald Trump. Um, I just personally was horrified by the outcome of the election. And even though I understand why people f- felt like no one else was expressing their frustrations, and I think there were people that felt very overlooked and... Um, he appealed to that sense of being overlooked. Um, but as an individual, I find him morally repugnant. Um, so what brought me here was that I heard Jay talk about the election, and um, I can't remember a lot of the specifics of what you said in the podcast, but there was just a sense of being baffled and not really knowing what to do or how to respond as a Christian. Um, And I really, really 
appreciated that authenticity. And I just wasn't hearing many voices on the internet that to me seemed like a truly biblical or Christ-like response. Well, thank you. That was, I mean, I, I was booked to speak at a church the day after, or I think with the, or a couple days after he won, mm. and it was a very progressive church here in Uptown. And I remember having to, like, it had been, you know, booked for ever, and I automatically thought, well, Hillary Clinton's going to be our president, blah, blah, we'll just be mm-hmm. life as usual. And, um, yeah, I remember that was a tough time, and really, like, I didn't know what to do, you know? No, I mean, no. I was honestly just shocked still I'm somewhat shocked you know I'm just trying to separate him from people who voted for him you know I'm trying not to lump everybody in one box now is my biggest struggle you know I think we all deal with that Mm -hmm. and uh, seeing them as my brothers and sisters that just have had different experiences and different reasons for believing what they believe so um definitely a, been a big 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 learning curve yeah yeah well I was just so grateful to find a place where people were authentic and people expressed doubts and confusion mm-hmm. and not just about Trump but about what it means to be alive you know yeah who is this God we believe in and what does that mean um I've never gone to a church, except when I was in the cult, because you, for psychological reasons, I didn't feel I could leave. But um, I've never gone to a church for a very long period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you comfortable talking about your past experiences, like in the cult and everything? Sure. Just however, however much you want to? Well, when I was growing up, um, I grew up with a father who was very much like Donald Trump. Um, he suffered from narcissistic personality disorder. And I have to say that, you know, like you talked about today, Jay, it's really important to empower people to get out of those situations. Yes. But when you're a child, you don't necessarily have that option. Mm. And you don't understand what's going on. You just come out of it feeling like something is so drastically wrong with you mm. because you didn't succeed in that situation. I mean, you just come out of it broken. And um, so my response was to join a cult. And this cult, um, their main ministry was deliverance. So they saw me as legion. I mean, they saw me as filled with demons. And I did have a lot of mental health issues. Um, So I was just utterly confused in that situation and I I really think it's miraculous that I didn't commit suicide because I just felt you know everyone hated me at home everyone hates me in the cult so this is the world I mean if even people who say they love Jesus don't love you then there's nowhere to turn Um, but of course looking back I see it very differently I didn't fit the mold and I don't think they knew how to label me or what box to put me in and when they tried to put me in a box I didn't stay there yeah so um, anyway I eventually started going to college when I was in the cult 
And I took philosophy classes, and I took Spanish literature classes. I studied the Spanish Civil War, and um, eventually ended up moving to Europe with Youth with a Mission. Oh, yeah. And there were things and people that I really respected in Youth with a Mission, and there were things that I felt were too American. Yeah. Very much too American, and too, for example, Ronald Reagan was the president then. And I, I just got a really different view of the world and how an America's place in the world yeah. as being more imperialistic than good. I mean, we see ourselves as this righteous nation. Right. And, you know, I had never really been in situations where we were questioning the American motives as a good actor on the world stage. So... It was eye-opening to me, and I, I loved the Dutch because they were very, um, they questioned things, they read books, they protested every day. Every day there were protests in the center of the city. And I just felt like I wanted to live in that bigger world. Hmm. You know, I, I'd found solace in reading books through my life, and so yeah. I was reading Dostoevsky and Hamlet and... You know, things that had books that had characters that I could identify with yeah. because they were somewhat tortured inside. Mm-hmm. And um, so co- I came back to the U.S. thinking I would finish school. And um, I did finish college, but I was having such terrible panic attacks at that point that I would want to go to the grocery store and I'd have to turn around and come home because oh. I, I couldn't bear going into the store and having a panic attack. I know how that feels. And, you know, at that point, they weren't, they weren't common knowledge. I mean, people... So you were either right. kind of insane or you weren't. Mm. So I was still struggling with what I thought about the cult. Now I call it a cult. Then I just called it Daystar. But um, when I was in college, we studied a philosopher political scientist called Max Max Weber. He was a German, and he's considered the first political science okay. scientist. And he talked about what makes a society and a government legitimate. And one of the things he referred to was a charismatic leader who comes and says, this is the way things have been, what I say to you, and sets up a whole different idea of a whole different system where you can break all the rules in the old one. And that can be a wonderful thing, like with Christ, or that can be a horrible thing where, you know, you have these limited human beings who, who don't necessarily value other human beings and who just set up a, more of a fascist system, mm. a more tyrannical mm-hmm. system. Under the guise of being like a new revolutionary. Kind of like Trump. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like Trump, where he's setting up, you know, well, all these libtards set up this system, but... I say to you, let's get rid of the government. Let's stop protecting the environment. Let's stop funding public education. Right. You know, he wants to change things. And that charismatic leader brings legitimacy by appealing to a deeper part of ourselves. You know, he's not appealing necessarily to our rational minds as much as he's appealing to a sense that something is deeply wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I... I believe that he's presenting answers that aren't helpful or healing. Yeah. But um, he's he's 
presenting a different way to respond to a flawed society. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, after I came back, I, I was too sick, really, to go back to Europe. And so I managed to keep a job and support myself. And I bought a condo in Uptown, probably very close to where you live now, yeah. in one of the old brownstone fourplexes and um, was so isolated that I I just thought I was cursed. I mean, I didn't know what else to think. Um, those were really dark times, but through that time, um, I found a verse in the Bible where Job said, you know, in the depths of his despair, put my words in a book. And my longing through my life has to have been a writer. Yeah, and you're a very talented writer. Thank you. And yes. I feel like I can express myself clearly in writing. And I, um, I read that and I thought, God put my words in a book. And what, what so encouraged me about that was that he did. I mean, he, he she did. I call yeah. it he, she. But his words are in a book. Yeah. His story is in a book. And... I've heard that that was the first book of the Bible mm-hmm. that was written. And right. it's about human suffering and God's interaction with a suffering human. So it gave me hope. And I had an excellent psychiatrist, and I had medication, and through the years I've gotten better. Um, I met my husband in 1992 at Abbott Northwestern in the psych ward. Oh. I was impartial, and he was he was in, um, because he had tried to kill himself um, because of depression. And we are about as different outwardly <laughs> as people can be. I mean, you know, if you looked at us, he looks like kind of um, a homeless person. <laughs> he looks like a person who, you know, an old hippie who's, living in a trailer somewhere up in the hills. He, I mean, I would picture the Unabomber looking oh, like my wow. husband. I'm not kidding. Well, and you look at and you have all together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I mean, I know you're like me, so you don't have it all together. But not at I'm all. I'm just saying, if you had to judge by appearance. Well, okay. that's, that's a high compliment. Thank you very much. But I, I think I've had to project that because, as far as the way I dress, yeah. just because I felt so... I felt like nobody was home inside. Yeah. That's so you feel broken and you're inside, like armor. Not even just broken. For many years, I felt like there wasn't anybody inside. Yeah. But I found that there is. That's fantastic. And um, through therapy and through... I actually love the Bible in the same way that you do, Jay, where I read it like it's it's a... It's a poetry book. It's a history book. It's it has mythology. And uh, anyway, so I I found great solace. And as I've said before, one of my favorite verses is a bruised reed he will not break. Yes. And I feel like back in in history, a reed was a, a writing utensil. Yeah. And I, you know, I feel like inside. I'm like this aching joint. My, my soul is just this aching joint. And when I think about actually 
publishing my writing or making it visible, there's just this physical aching inside. And and so I'm not at that place yet. But that would be my hope, that someday my words would bring, would save a life, would bring hope to people who have felt so marginalized. Well, your words have brought a lot of hope to me. Well, thank you. you And they're, they're genuine. I... I really respect you. I respect Caleb. I feel like this church is a venue where we can find solace and hope. You know, like they say you find in Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. Hope and solace and strength. Well, that means the world to hear because that's well, it's the true. hope that I think we have, we all have in this community. and. It's nice to hear it out loud. Mm-hmm. That's been the, one of the greatest things about doing these meet your congregation thing is the affirmation of the community. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and realizing that we are the community. You know, even the invisible community is the community. We're all saying similar things. Yeah, you know, and um, you know, I don't feel like the charismatic leader of a church. You know, I feel <laughs> like I'm a part of a community. You know, mm-hmm. this has made me feel more like a part of a community rather than like, oh, time to go make the donuts. You know what I mean? But that's that's the charismatic or the type of charisma that Jesus exhibited was that making himself one with the people around yeah. him, the community around him, and not, you know, talking about anarchy today, anarchy, I think the literal definition is an absence of hierarchy. Yes, and so, and then people take that to mean disorder, yeah, chaos. But you know, it really means that we're all, we're all level. We're all, you know, mm. we're supposed to be servants of each other. Yeah, I mean, that's what happened when Jesus was crucified. He was stripped of his identity, mm-hmm. no identity. That's when Paul mm-hmm. says, "No male, no female, no Jew, no Gentile." That's what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all together in this. We're all going through a human experience, mm-hmm. but we sure have complicated that. But I know since I've started coming here, I, I feel a real commitment to this church and to the mission and to the vision. And I've kind of watched the vision, the vision evolve somewhat since I've been here to focus on not just speaking out about what's just and what isn't just, but about Im- finding venues where we can embrace the other and engage yeah. with the other. And I really struggle with that. But I, I believe it's the truth. I, at this point, can't seem to do it. But um, that's my, that's what I feel I'm moving toward is, is dealing with my own issues so that I can not fear the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good segue into the question, um, how can we do that better, do you think, as, as revolution practically, pragmatically, how do you think that we can... Because I know we've we've talked about this, you know, just personally one on one before, but th- this might be a good venue to to kind of uh, articulate some of those ideas about how we how we as a church can work on building some of those bridges or building spaces or maybe you know to take that metaphor of having people sit at the same table, building tables where we can sit, <laughs> right? You know, where we where we can sit with each other and, and have those conversations. Well, um, I know we talked about we talked about maybe other broadcast venues mm-hmm. like um, there's a radio station that I'm a member of KFAI Fresh Air Radio and they actually I've told Jay that, or I've told Caleb this they actually 
offer to the community a spot to use once, like an hour spot where you can talk about anything. You just contact them and, and at, you know present your idea. And I just think that there are a lot of people who will not go to church or yeah. cannot go to church who um, who could who would listen to KFAI and really identify with a lot of your message. I love that idea. I, I mean, I think that's a great idea. Um, there's also some radio shows on KFAI that um, where I think you could probably ask to be a guest and yeah. talk about what you're doing in the community, what your vision is. Um, there are a lot of active groups in the community that especially I think um, dealing with communities of color that we could yeah. align with to some extent and um, support. I mean, I think dialogue. Yeah. I mean, I, I live in my apartment. I live with the majority of Somalians. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, there's always, I've always seen the stigma between, you know, there's a huge Somalian community in Minneapolis. And a lot of people don't know that. Yes. But there's a stigma. You know, there's kind of this, like, curtain drawn in between people and I think everybody's afraid of everybody mm. and now I've lived in the community you know my son plays with my neighbor and my neighbor's talking to the other day my neighbor's like I haven't seen you are you okay how's it mm. going you know what I mean and it's just we're human beings you know what I mean it's not like oh there's the Somalians and then there's the Americans and then right. there's the white person there's the black you know we're just be kind of it's been nice to be kind of just given my circumstances it's the only place I could find to live but it's allowed me to be in a community that is different you know, and not go like, oh, that's, you know, well, they're Muslim or they're this or they're that, you know. And it's I mean? not different. No. I mean, there's differences. You know, I mean, there's in, small differences here right. and there. You know, how I interact with the men and how I interact with the women are a little bit different. But it's also a lot to do with culture and faith and mm-hmm. learning to respect that and, lo- and embrace that. Mm-hmm. And it's been really, for me, it's been pretty incredible. And yeah. so I would love to work with even more like people in the Somalian community as well, just because I find it to be such an enduring group of people. Well, I think that there's actually a Somalian show on KFAI. Oh, that's great. Hmm. Um, and the other thing I've thought about was maybe, I know that Caleb is talking about starting a Facebook page yeah. for the congregation, so mem- people who are... Can chat together. Can chat mm-hmm. together. I mean, we have a Facebook page, but we need one more that's... A actual discussion mm-hmm. group, rather than just a page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I liked your idea too, Vicky, about um, maybe trying monthly or so uh, to as a physical congregation going out to, to lunch or something like that after services. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's a really good idea. I think communion as it well, were. it is communion. It is that yeah. really actually what communion it is. is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is because I mean Jesus didn't <laughs> break the bread. No, he didn't have like a little <laughs> stamp so he could <laughs> make his way cut first. out little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah mean, the first communion wafers. <laughs> that little assembly line. So I think he was saying, you know, when you eat, eat communally because yeah. I think to to eat together in the Middle Eastern culture, I mean, it's, yes. it's showing respect for both individuals. And it's a total example of community, what it community is. is. I mean, when we did that back in um, Brooklyn, what was great there is that they would put on a barbecue for us every other month for the church, and they would get the meat and stuff, and wow. we'd have a barbecue, and we'd all sit out back and barbecue, and just go from table to table and chit-chat and stuff like that. So, right. yeah. Or we could do it at your apartment. Yeah. At, and have anybody who's around come yeah that'd be great we definitely can do that we haven't done that in a while 
my mind's been other places, but now that we're getting back on the mm-hmm. on the road again, yeah, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. Um, I have to say too that when you know this was a difficult year, yeah, obviously, but um, even when you were struggling the most, your messages still were very meaningful. Oh, I mean, you. there's. I feel that you have a prophetic voice. Um, And, you know, one person defined the prophet as um, someone who hears the collective sigh of humanity. You know, I think you have that heart for the vulnerable, and I just, that's what drew me here, and that's what keeps me here. I just... Your mess when you talk about God and your messages and Christ, that's my experience of God and Christ. And I, I just, my husband says he can tell I'm so much healthier since I've started coming hmm. here. Wow, that's I don't even know what to do with that. That's I'm, it's amazing to hear. So yeah, thank you. And I mean, I I feel marginalized as well. Um, for a lot of some of the reasons that you do so yeah. you know it's like we're all kind of in this big boat mm-hmm. we definitely have a diverse community of, of, of so many different types of folks yeah. you know and this is just another example of, here's someone who's more like me but you know when you're someone who's like you know and I'm an, I mean I'm an old woman <laughs> I am I could be your mother you know? I oh. it's well. a beautiful beautiful collage of a tapestry we have I, it woven is. together I, I love this community and I yeah, love the, the fact that we're able to be so diverse and I think everybody has this idea that it's like this bunch of Dudes. tattooed skateboarders sitting <laughs> yeah. in a room together you know and it's just like <laughs> it's not that at all you know and it, um, we started out that way but uh, you know we've become a, a, a room full of, of uh, different types of misfits yeah people who just come together because of grace and love. But I feel like I relate much more to you guys than and to the other people who come for the services and yeah. the congregation that listens online. Much more so than women my age. And, mm. um, you know, I'm thinking about philosophy and yeah. Nietzsche and... Hannah Arendt, and you know, I don't, I don't know how to make an apple pie. I don't, I've never done a turkey in my life. You know, yeah. I can't sew or do any of that kind of thing. It just doesn't interest me. Yeah. And I feel like you guys are that this church is very cerebral. Yeah. And when you can discuss something, you you can come to talk about the nuances instead of the absolutes. That's really well put. Yeah. Very cerebral. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. That's good. Well, Vicki, thank you so much. Well, thank you. We love you very much and so happy thank you're here. You. And thank you. Thank you. always been a, a bright spot here, so thank you for well, that. Well, I appreciate it because you guys are oh. you're in my heart. You're in my heart. And I'm just so grateful to be able to come here. We're grateful you do. Cool. Thanks, Vicky. Thank you, Vicky. Thank you.